Bracken and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with the when things are going wrong against you if you don't get the breaks of the ball Cooper in with Stewart he didn't really know where the ball was but he got the break and as you say it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time knowing that really all you got to do is crack it into the back of the net Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. You're home for a scantily informed Don's chat since 2015. And joining me to poke and prod at the decaying carcass of the 2018-19 season is my usual sidekick, a man that's attracted no better offers during his time here and we've been too damn lazy to go out and replace him. He's essentially Darren Mackey in this analogy. It's uh, Martin Clunas. Well, hello, Richard. Um, if I can get to 10 years with doing this podcast, then I'll be a very, very depressed man. What kind of testimonial are you expecting? Um, I don't know. Who, who, what kind of guest could we get on for the testimonial? Maybe Sammy Stewart or something? You can you can think about that and we'll get back to you. Uh, but making his uh, Here We Go debut in the dying embers of the season, uh, making him AFC podcasting's one and only Joe Nutto, I suppose. It's John Sinclair. Hi, John. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. No, real pleasure. Have you recovered from the experience of seeing those titans of stylish football, Hibernian FC in the flesh yesterday? Or was it all just a bit too much? It was it was overwhelming, but after a good night's sleep, I feel ready to talk about proper football instead of indulging Hibs fans one way or the other in the pub afterwards. <laughs> well, let's focus on events at Easter Road, where Cooley, the anti-footballing mafia that is Aberdeen FC, once again robbed the home side of the result that natural footballing justice would have dictated. <laughs> a fourth trip to Leith this season for a third win from what's been a happy hunting ground. However, as with a league visit in February, we had to come from behind. Um, in fact, for a team that knew it needed to win, we did look in danger of being swept away in that opening half hour. Uh, John, the first five minutes looked OK, but after that, it was a bit of a write-off. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. I think that that's been the pattern in most of the games I've been to at Easter Road this season. Hibs have had spells where they have looked like a decent side, but ultimately... I think we've got better players and we've had the steel or the grit or whatever you'd like to call it. Hibs fans would perhaps use more abrasive language than that. Ultimately, though, uh, once again, we came away with the points. We did start OK yesterday, but the players that started well for us were perhaps the players that we don't need if we're going to dominate a game. So Max Lowe started well, for example. Don Ball started well. But what I wanted to see more of was what we had in the second half, which was the likes of McLennan, Cosgrove and Wilson playing well. So quite a disparate performance in that regard. Max Lowe, I want to focus on Martin because he's, he's rightly received a lot of plaudits. Just the other week he got the Players Player of the Year at the end of season award night. Um, my beef with him has been largely a positional one. Now in the first half, uh, you can tell he was being asked to man-mark uh, Horgan of Hibs and it was a role he kind of struggled with and I think it left him positionally a bit exposed as well and that, I believe, leads into the goal where he's the man playing McNulty on. 
It does, yeah. I mean, that was that was exactly the point I was going to make with the goal. Is that you can see, I think he's trying to keep, he is keeping an eye on Horgan, who's out on on the right, their right wing. There is other other players at fault for that goal as well. The guy Murray having having the time and space to dink that ball over, and it was it was an, it was an excellent ball. No, you can't give can't give him any, you know any criticism for that. But you know he, he had what seemed an age to just kind of take his time and just lift it over over the defence. Low was napping. There's no getting away from that. But the, other, the, the defenders weren't exactly, you know, looking alive as well. And that was disappo- That was disappointing because, as I said, we know we go behind again. You know, and in the, in the grand scheme of things, yes, yeah, suppose it doesn't matter because we got the three points. But you know, going behind again in a game, having to having to then chase the game and find our way back into the game, it's it's a, and it's the end of the season. You know, it doesn't really matter. But no, it's still it's still annoying to see that you know we're going we're going behind in games and then having to put putting ourselves under pressure. I would say that uh, Lowe is definitely the, the the main culprit in terms of letting McNulty through onside. But a couple of things I, I do see when I watch that back, it's very clever play for McNulty. He knows he's being played onside and he times the the run quite well. But I also think we have to hold all three of Considine, McKenna, and Ball a little bit responsible for for the goal because. Considine can't decide whether he wants to close down Murray or not, which gives Murray the time to play the pass through. And both Considine and McKenna, sorry, both McKenna and Ball think the other one has got McNulty under control. They're kind of standing around not doing a great deal. So I'm I'm a big Max Lowe fan. Perhaps I'm going to stick up for him a bit. Um, I think that responsibility can be shared amongst more than more than just him for that goal. It was a nice nice goal though. Um, Having watched it back a couple of times this evening, I think Joe Lewis saves it, possibly. It's not a great finish from McNulty. He does well to get onto the pass, but then I don't think Cherney was perhaps as solid as you'd like in the one-on-one. Yeah, it looked a finish of a guy that hadn't scored maybe in a few games. Um, The lack of pressure on the ball, yeah, that was something that stood out for me as well, watching it. A bit surprising, given that we had gone with an extra body in midfield um, yesterday, compared to how we've played for a lot of the season. Obviously, Don Ball, someone that's out of contract with his parent club, he's been released Strong suspicion that you might end up back at Pitodri next season. Do you think that's a wise move, John? Um, I would like Don Ball in the squad, but I would like him to be a very competent backup player. I don't think we get very much from him as a starter, but I would be reasonably confident knowing that he could step in and replace an injury or a suspension. Um, I think that at times this season, squad depth has perhaps been our downfall. Um, a, a bigger and stronger starting eleven plus the likes of Don Ball works for me. I wouldn't be starting signing him as a starter. So. We did get a foothold back in the game, probably the last 10 minutes of the first half, I'd say. But that said, it was no more than a toehold. And the goal did come a little bit out of the blue, Martin. Good work to release McLennan on the right too, who had a pretty Dreadful first 45 to be honest But he has a tremendous knack Of making things happen Does Conor McLennan He looked like a guy Who's missed missed a few games Through injury didn't he I mean he looked half fit What you get from him I think there's always flashes there I think he's only made I think he's made what 20 odd starts this season And we've said plenty of times Before in the podcast Now he looks like a proper player And there's lots to come from him And it is He's one of these guys Who it is a bit exciting When he gets on the ball No it was a great bit of work from him Gets, Gets down the left Gets the ball in. What I don't know what that first touch from Cosgrove was. Um, it was like the first touch of a fridge or something. Just to touch on Cosgrove there as well. I think that you know, back in probably September, 
that was going out. That would have hit him and gone out for a goal kick. Conor McLennan's stats. Well, stats aren't something I like to get too bogged down in, but his stats are favourable with any other winger in the entire league. His return on goals and assists is is really quite impressive. I think I agree with the points you're making about um, perhaps a slow start on Sunday, but we need to get him involved more. That will that will kind of. You know, get rid of the the feeling of there being a slow start. If we just involve him more, he's a young, confident player. Not everything's going to come off every single time, but a lot of averages with the return he's been giving us. If we give him the ball, if we feed him in the right position, we'll see we'll see production from him. Very exciting player. Let's expand a bit more on Sam Cosgrove because, as Martin rightly points out, that first touch was just it was pretty comical. But what I did like after that was the finish. It was low and hard, and it was on with on with the job after that. And I think, and it's starting from a very low base. We have to be honest, but I think there are signs that he's becoming a bit more of a uh, a well-rounded striker. He's linking better. He's laying the ball off better. Did good work leading up to the winner against Hearts last week, for example. Are you seeing hints of that, John, or is it just my imagination? No, I think I do agree with you. I think um, sometimes think there's a bit of a disconnect between his brain and his feet. You saw that for the goal yesterday, <laughs> where the, the the first touch wasn't great, but once he seemed to catch up to himself, as you've just said, it was a, a lovely, well, a, a well-hit finish that didn't give the keeper much of a chance. And then he had that wonderful shot after... I hesitate to say skinning, but it certainly gave a defender something to think about in the second half, where he sort of did, I don't know if you could call it a step over, but his brain and his feet were trying to talk to each other, and then he fired off a good shot. So he's not the lump that he looks like. He's not just a target man. He can actually do stuff with the ball at his feet, but sometimes... Yes, yeah, I think it has been tempered with that there is a long way to go there with Sam Cosgrove. Yes. But given what we saw maybe in the games that he played at the end of last season, I think we can all be a slightly pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with where we've ended up, not just in terms of a goal tally, but maybe in terms of what else is developing there as well. Second half, probably more even. Hibbs again started fairly well. They miss a tremendous opportunity where Fraser Murray, is it, um, has all the space in the world in a six-yard box to to find the net, but heads it only straight at uh, Cherney. But we get the winner, and it's quick, and it's an incisive work between the front four, and it's the sort of goal that should give those guys a lot of confidence, were it not, of course, the last game of the season, Martin. Yeah, will do. Um, no, and I, I just loved how the goal came. No, it's like I'm straight from a Hibs goal kick. Um, I think it's Lowe that wins the header, um, and it comes, it's quick passing, Pressure on what was, you know, what has been this season and what remains a pretty symbolic Hibs defence. Good play from the four of them, just moving it quickly across. Um, and James Wilson, you know, he couldn't really miss, could he? It came kind of too late in the season, to be honest, but um, it was just so enjoyable to see us do that. Too late. Sorry, I agree that it's it's come too late in the season. With without stating the obvious, that I wish we had a Scottish Cup final to look forward to. Wouldn't it be good if there was just another league game or two to see a bit more of Wilson in the kind of form he's shown in the last couple of games? Because that was a nice finish and he was good against Hearts last week. But that's not the James Wilson we've been watching for the last few months. Well, no, it's absolutely not. And for the outlay. I think we were entitled to expect a little bit more at the start. So that said, he, he wasn't given the leeway or given the minutes that some other strikers have had to uh, develop into the role. Martin, you called the Hibs defence shambolic. How dare you say that a defence with Scotland cap Lewis Stevenson is shambolic? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? 
Then right at the end, um, some more decent work by Sam Cosgrove. Uh, feeds in Gary McKay Stephen. It's a soft penalty kick, but we get the chance to steal it um, at the death. And Sam Cosgrove gets an opportunity to finish a, a landmark first full season as joint top scorer in the Premier League. That would have given me a great deal of amusement, Martin, had he managed to tie with uh, poster boy Morelos. But uh, it's a poor penalty kick. It is a poor penalty kick. I mean, a couple of us other penalties haven't been great, um, and it's been you know, it's been not great. We'll say not great keeping that has allowed him to go in rather than them being you know fantastic finishes. But yeah, um, I'm in full agreement with you there. Um, Morelos is apparently worth twelve or thirteen million pounds, um, and he scored one more goal this season than. The incredibly maligned Sam Cosgrove. So um, take from that what you will. It was it was a real shame he he didn't get that penalty. There was a, a sort of a ripple of laughter in the stand around where I was. I think people wanted it for the the Morelos factor rather than for any actual celebration points wise or, or goal wise. So uh, you know if if Hibbs had gone straight up the other end and scored, that would have been a different matter. But I'm not going to lose too much sleep over that penalty. Gary Mackay Stevens last act really in a, probably in a Don shirt to get taken down for the penalty kick. He was also quite keen to take that penalty kick, uh, John, but uh, but it went to Sam instead. The the fans around me in the stand were chanting for Shinny to take it, which would have been a nice send off, I suppose. But I think that uh, there's a reasonable chance that the players were aware of the the Morelos statistic and the possibility, even if they didn't know that Morelos had scored in the second half, there was there was perhaps a, a knowledge that Cosgrove could take the lead in the the standings had he hit the penalty. It would have been nice for Shinny or or Mackay Stephen to have that wee send off, but uh, again, ultimately, it's not something I. I I found myself caring about too much at the time. What about Mackay Stephen more generally? I think his probable departure, it's really been sugarcoated by the emergence of Conor McLennan, hasn't it? Yeah, it certainly has. Um, there was a spell in December, just after we signed Greg Stewart again, where I thought we were going to be looking at a very different attacking team with uh, four wide players in what I hoped would be good form. We had McGinn, Stewart, McLennan and GMS and I thought there was potential for us to use them in some some really good attacking play but injuries have really put paid to that and you know they've come at quite cruel times with McGinn being in in good form knowing that we're only going to have two of those four back for next season most likely in McLennan and uh, McGinn the the blow of losing two of them is softened by how good McLennan has looked and how easily he's fitted into the team. So that was 2018-19. Obviously, where we finished in the table was dependent on events, not just the Easter Road, but at Rugby Park as well. And uh, Kilmarnock came up with the goods 2-1 home victory, consigning us to fourth in the table. Martin, we've had cause over the past few seasons to, to talk about what might be the upper limit of a points total for a side with Aberdeen's budget and you know, we've maybe disagreed on the exact number, but sort of mid-80s is probably what, what we've hit upon. What, however, do you reckon is a par points total for a side with our budget? No, I, th- I still think we're probably about 10 points short of where we really should be. Um, you can identify, I mean, you can identify the specific games and where, where, the, you know, where we've thrown away points. You know, obviously, losing at home at St Johnston, home at you know, and then I think there's there's a draw as drawn at home to Livy and St Mirren. There's your there's your points right there where we really should have been getting. You know, we should be getting twelve points out of those games. 
and so you're looking at finishing on about 77, which is which is still one short of of Rangers. We can't say it's been a, been a, a very good season. It's been an okay season. Finishing fourth isn't great. Getting into Europe is 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 what I I think we've said this in previous seasons. I'm pretty sure we said this on the first episode of this season as well. Getting into Europe is is one of the bare minimum targets, um, and to not qualify for Europe would mark a season as being a failure. So you reckon a par points total for us is about seventy seven points? I think more than we've I ever. I think that we before. should have. I think that we should no, we should have at least seventy seven points. That would be that'd be four more four more than we managed last season when we were were nine off the top. Yeah, and you look at where we've taken nothing. We've taken no nothing off of Celtic this season. Um, the only I think and now Richard, you'll 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 correct me if I'm wrong here. The only team we've managed to do the clean sweep on this season is Dundee. So I think no, I think we should be. I think we should be doing a lot better. But I'm just a bit confused because seven because 77 points, for example, is more than we've ever taken. It was more than 2016, 17. And if that's what you believe, that that's fine. I mean, I, I think we can all point to points we've left on the table this season. But, you know, again, that's absolutely I would expect us to, to take something off Celtic at least in one of the home games. We take a point down at Parkhead. Um, the points return against uh, the team in second in the league. We beat them in both cups. That's obviously sweetened it. But yeah, four points from them in the league. Maybe you're looking for, for a slightly better return there, the, the 4-2 game. You know, you look through the history of what teams in this in this setup have hit. And it's very rare for teams to have actually got more than the 67 that we got today. I mean, the sides that have done that have been us over the past few seasons. I think Hart, when they were spending a hell of a lot of money, did it a couple of times. And Motherwell, in um, season 2013-14, when they pipped us to second, hit 70 points. So so it's a big ask. But, I mean, if if that's the bar you set, that's absolute, absolutely fine. Um, do you know, I'm somewhere in between the two of you on this. I think that we dropped some incredibly stupid points, so it's easy to see where points can be gained. We drop points to St Johnston every season. I feel like we drop points to Hamilton every season, which should be unforgivable. And we split the points at, uh, with Hearts more often than not. It's uh, two wins each there. Those are games that we are more than capable of picking up points so if we say we win three out of those four that's another nine on top of this season or it's another nine on top of last season so 77 it sounds it sounds fanciful and but I think we can get the 77 without looking for improvement on the teams above us or or more recently the team above us um I, I do you know I don't actually know what I would say is a, a realistic number of points for a season. I don't actually have a, a concrete answer for that other than just to say there's stupid points that we lose and there's there's points that you'd like to gain, which are ones that, at Celtic Park or at other stadiums in Glasgow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm somewhere in between the two. 77 sounds like a lot, but I don't think it's impossible. No, it's just, I mean, you're always going to have stupid points thrown away and every team in the league does that, absolutely. I mean, I think Hearts lost to Dundee twice this season, for example, and Celtic have drawn it uh, at home against Livingston. And, and it's just results like that that shouldn't happen if it were based purely on balances due every season, and there's very little you can do about it. I think the other side to this, I suppose, Martin, is that we give the manager, on here at least, we give the manager some leeway for the fact that we aren't, haven't been closer to Celtic as was because we have a vastly inferior budget. The other side of that coin then is if a side like Kilmarnock, who have a vastly inferior budget to us, 
finish above us, there has to be there has to be some questions asked. I think are prob- I mean, I think there probably has to be, and I think though that I've seen some. You know, you've seen some stuff over the last you know, the last twenty four hours on social media where people call it. You know, it's cert- certainly a lot louder than it's been uh, because. I know I've you know, I've been very arsy about Steve Clark on here, uh, but he is a good manager and he knows how to. Mo- I mean, you look at that Kilmarnock squad, and if we're being honest, you know, that squad of players is you know is maybe a is maybe a kind of without him is probably a scraping into the top six squad. Uh, but he's managed to he's managed to get you no. Know, he's got sixty seven points out of that group of players, which he deserve which I think he deserves a lot of credit for. I mean, the manager is is rightly going to have to come in for a bit of criticism because. You kind of you want you punch you want to punch up you punch up at Celtic and you punch up at Rangers. It's not really much fun punching down unless it's a Dundee United or something. Obviously, you will make allowances for kind of poor results here and there, and that's fair enough. But I think that the manager there is going to be some questions because fourth and despite it being only on goal difference isn't great. You know, we will probably, like I said, get into Europe. I'm not quite saying it's a regression because you know we were level on points with the team in third, so it's not like we've been completely outplayed and you know we're languishing. In fourth position, but no, we're fourth. We're relying on a favour to get into Europe, which isn't good. I think the season will take on a very different feeling if if Hearts do somehow scrape a win next week. I think the 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 optimism that we have right now, if if there is much optimism, comes from the fact that it's so unlikely that Hearts will do that. But in terms of budget, I think that realistically we we have probably been punching above our weight a little bit in that we've finished above Rangers so frequently of late. For us to finish level on points with Kilmarnock, who are having an exceptional season, literally their best season in, in Premier League history, if I've been reading correctly, I think we can f- sort of see a, I can see myself forgiving that as a one-off, as long as it is just a one-off and no one like Hearts or Hibs managed to do it again next season. Yeah, there's an element that says that you can't really account for what other teams do, which is why we've on here tried to talk about, you know, what can we do? What sort of points total can we hit realistically? Um, and Kilmarnock to get 67 points with that squad is is a hell of an achievement. I don't think there's any question about it. I think that's a very important point by John, that it, it really does come down to that cup final next week, because I think if we end up in Europe, are people really going to be bothered we finish fourth or third, other than using it as a stick to, to hit the manager with? If we get into Europe, um, I don't think many people will care, if I'm totally honest. Again, to repeat what we said here before, no, European football is what Aberdeen does. No, we, we, we sh- I think, as I've said, we should be in Europe. It should be the bare minimum target for every season is to qualify for Europe. Um, discounting, discounting trophies, which we obviously always want to win but as well. Um, and so I don't think a lot of people will care. Um, if Hearts somehow pull off a miracle next week uh, and get and win, the, and win the cup and we find ourselves in the... So uh, starting in June in the early stage of the Betfred Cup, uh, then I think there will be, there will be, it'll be a lot worse, and there will be a lot of criticism. I wonder if we'll ever see prize money brought up uh, as an excuse. Finishing fourth led to a reduction in the club's income from prize money. That can be used as an explanation for perhaps not bringing in the right transfer target or not paying the right wage somewhere. Maybe being a bit cynical there but it's the kind of thing that wouldn't hugely surprise me were the club to come out with it. 
It's a fair thing. It's a fair thing to mention actually because they did that launch of that pack thing last. I think last Wednesday or something it was, and we had tickets that went down, and there were pains to mention about obviously the extra money the manager gets. Um, I think it was Duncan Fraser must have mentioned about six or seven times about how the how the, the DNA money is only for football and budget, football and budget. It was probably the thing that was repeated the most across the, across the night. So they are at, they are at pains to try and like debunk all these myths. So I do think it's something that's a valid thing that if, you know, there is, I, I mean, I'm not sure what the difference between third and fourth is. I don't imagine it's, a, it's a, an absolute king's ransom, but um, it'll be something that I would imagine would be mentioned if, you know, we miss out on an, a target that they're looking for. Well, a much more significant contribution would be from from Europe, because even if we just reach the uh, reach the round we would be seeded to reach, which is the third qualifying round, and we've always gone at least as far as our seeding um, under Derek McInnes, then that's probably going to be worth about, I would imagine, about 1.2 million, I would think, to the club between yeah. gate receipts and the money you get from UEFA. So that would be a that would be a big big miss for the club. If um, if we were to miss out in Europe, and you know it's probably I think about one hundred and fifty thousand between third and fourth, it's not insignificant, absolutely, but um, but it's nothing compared to to what Europe could well be. Of course, you could we could lose to you know a team in the first qualifying round, and and then you're only looking at probably about three hundred, four hundred thousand less your costs from Europe. It's still better than I think two games at home in the League Cup group stages attended by about two and a half thousand people, though. Um, I think we can agree on that. So let's look ahead a bit to next season in terms of the playing squad because there's been quite a lot of movement over the past few weeks and let's just see how we're going to be looking for the visit of Forfar in those League Cup group stages uh, at the start of next season. So in goal, we're, <laughs> we're absolutely sorted, aren't we, uh, John? Because Joe Lewis is tied up until like the summer of thirty twenty six or something like that. No, we're absolutely set. I know I had a bit of a go at Cherney earlier for uh, perhaps not being at his best for McNulty's goal yesterday. But realistically, I think he's one of the best backup keepers in the league if you look outside of probably Craig Gordon and and Wes Fodringham. Um, I think most teams would be very happy to have Cherney. I do want to ask... um, What's been going on with Danny Rogers for the last few years? He's not even on the bench for St Mirren these days. I'm not sure if he's injured, but it's pretty clear with re-signing Cherney that Rogers is no longer in the picture at Aberdeen. Well, Danny Rogers has got a year left in his deal. Um, obviously, he signed a two-year contract last summer. The intention was he goes out and gets games this year. Alan Stubbs brought him into St Mirren. Um, a change of manager, I don't think he's done him any favours. St Mirren wanted to terminate the loan deal um, and send him back to Aberdeen. And this was before he then picked up a season-ending injury. So, oh, I didn't realise he was injured. It's not been a vintage uh, vintage year for him. So I wonder maybe if the plan now reverts to him going out next year and getting the sort of development time that he would have been expecting to get this year. It's probably just another case of a young player just not developing as, as people have hoped. But Martin, I take it you're absolutely happy with, with Joe Lewis signing on again? Oh, absolutely overjoyed. Um, it was uh, it was the highlight of the week, wasn't it? He's no, no, he is the best keeper in the league. There's no question about that. Um, and the fact that he's the fact that he's he's no staying for for a, so many such a long time as well, such a long contract, was just delightful. I mean, it's going to no, if anybody if anybody wants to try and prize him out of our hands, then it's going to take serious serious money offer. 
I've got to say, as much as as much as we love Joe Lewis on here, and he did obviously pick up the Player of the Year award, I had a feeling, and I asked, um, there's a sort of Don-specific um, stat site out there. They go by the rather unfortunate name of From the Dung site, if you want to look them up. But um, basically, we're, we're conceding above the XG number that we should be conceding at. If you're not familiar with XG, it's a it's a term you can look up. It's basically expected goals. So um, say that Aberdeen were based on the quality of chances created against us in the league, we're expected to concede 36 goals, let's say. But we've actually conceded 42 or 44 or whatever the number is. So that came as a little bit of a surprise, given the fact that I think we we generally say that we think Joe Lewis has had a good season. I think he has had a good season if you want to look at sort of specific games where he's made some outstanding saves and and kept us in it. Um, I'm struggling to think of any out-and-out mistakes that Joe Lewis has made this season. There's a couple that spring to mind from previous seasons. I think that perhaps... um, Injuries and suspensions to McKenna and Devlin and the sort of uncertainty over Tommy Hoban and whether he's going to play has perhaps played a part in that. McKenna's really the only guaranteed starter that we've had at centre-back all season. Um, It was Devlin for a while and then the ghost of Michael Devlin reappeared after injury and we've been back to Considine instead. Um, I'd be kind of looking to to take a bit of the blame away from Lewis for that, but I'm aware that in doing so it sounds like I might be criticising Scott McKenna, which isn't something I'm particularly keen to do. Martin, I mean, that um, award, do you think that was really more of a kind of award for three years of, uh, of really solid work as opposed to a really exceptional season? It probably is. I mean, he's been he's been one of the he has he has been one of the top performers and um, over the past three since he's been here basically, um, and he has been has had a good season as John says there. I mean, you know, you look at look at the defence this season. If no, if if it's not for if it's not suspensions, it's injuries. Um, and like say Hoban, that happening to Hoban, you know, um, had he not been injured in preseason, probably Reynolds might have played a bigger part in the season than well not playing a part at all. Um, so I think that. No, that does affect your affect your goalkeeper, and you know, not having a that I suppose the old kind of cliche of the settled settled back four, or even a set, set, settled centre half partnership in front of him, um, I think has probably caused us a bit of problems as well. Because you know, forty conceding forty four goals, um, I think it was you said isn't I mean isn't great. Um, I think it's more than I think it's actually more than Hibs have conceded, which probably is a bit concerning, but. Um, you know, I think that it's the, the award probably is for you know a kind of accumulation of just being you know a well, well above average goalkeeper um, for us. But I mean, he is you know he is a great keeper, um, and I've said before, I think we're so lucky to have him. Um, I will defend him to the hilt um, on every single week if I have to in here. <laughs> what with like pistols at dawn and all that? It'll be pistols at dawn. It's like I will not. I'm not hearing a bad word against him. Well, uh, at least Joe knows he has you to defend his honour. Um, in that defence, we're going to lose Mark Reynolds. He moves to Championship Dundee United. Um, Tommy Hoban um, will move back to Watford Royal Infirmary. Max Lowe's loan comes to an end as well. Um, would you prioritise trying to get Max Lowe back um, on loan again next season, John? There seems to be whispers that that's uh, maybe already in the works. 
I think if it's a possibility, it's one that should be the top of our our list. Yeah, if we're getting the impression from a combination of Derby and and Lowe himself that he wants to come back, then yeah, um, there are positioning issues like like you've mentioned earlier on this show. But realistically, I think he's been the best left back in Scotland, certainly since re-signing in, in December. Um, I don't think that anyone playing out of Glasgow has had as good a season as him, and Lewis Stevenson just isn't a factor, and then I couldn't even name the left-backs at half of the other teams in Scotland. That's how you know below average they are. Um, we look a much more balanced side when he's there, and Shea Logan's on the right. Um, Don Ball certainly wasn't bringing that same kind of balance, uh, and Logan's around for a while, so if we can keep that balance up with those two, then that's certainly something I'd be very keen to see. So obviously, Martin, there's a potential for some further disruption at the back, depending on the Scott McKenna situation. Um, on the Logan front, I think the, the cry down the years has obviously been that we need some proper backup there. I, I, I've got to say that for, for a man that's taken a lot of criticism this season, it was noticeable having him back, especially against Hearts at home the other week. Uh, the first goal, for example, James Wilson was only able to create the space and turn to get the ball in because Logan's made an intelligent run uh, past him, overlapping him, which hadn't been happening with Don Ball. Uh, it's, it's kind of no more or less probably than you expect a fullback to do, but I think we've been a bit quick to write his obituaries. But where else do you, do you think at the back we, we kind of need a, a strengthening? I mean, it, it all comes down to it all comes down to the McKenna situation. Fingers crossed if he stays, you know, with Devlin and Considine there. I think you know, there's enough there that you no, know, I think Devlin has got a lot more to show. Um, obviously, the the red card early in the season and then the injury um, just just absolutely just you know torpedoed his season. Uh, it was a disaster for him. Um, you know, Constantine probably is a ba- probably is going to end up. I think being a being a backup. But if we can keep McKenna and Devlin, I think I'd be I'd be relatively happy with them as a first choice centre half pairing. Um, it is it is the fullback issue. I mean, you know, desperate for desperate to try and get Max Lowe back. I mean, let's hope Derby Derby um, don't want him. Uh, that'd be great for us. Uh, and you're hundred percent right to say that about Shea Logan. Um, you know, I think that after a couple of poor performances and the, the knives kind of came out a little bit too quick. Um, and you, you're right to say that he's you know having a proper right back. On the pitch instead of instead of Don Ball, who kind of just slots in there, it really did. It really did show. Um, Logan is, you know, he's he is again an above average SPL, SPFL, whatever um, fullback. And you know, while I mean, I'm sure he probably could be improved upon. Um, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit scouring football manager to try and find that person. Um, I'm more than happy with him have, having him as a first choice right back. Yeah, it just takes too long these days, doesn't it? Back in the day, it would be just one filter on right-sided defenders and you were done. You would get like five five names and go after them. One name that has actually been mentioned um, in connection with a couple of Scottish clubs, actually, is Jack Grimmer, who's uh, most recently been at Coventry, but obviously started his career up here at Aberdeen. Is that somebody that um, you'd, you'd take to beef up the squad, John? Um, I'd be lying if I said I'd seen much of Coventry to to know what his recent form has been like. But I do know he was very well regarded down there, at least until they got promotion. I believe he was one of their fan favourites, including in their playoff run uh, the season before last. Um, he's an Aberdeen boy. I believe he's, his family are Aberdeen fans, as far as I'm aware. And I believe he's also intimated that he wants to come 
back up to Scotland in some capacity. So I would be surprised if we weren't at least asking the question. I suppose it comes down to how much of the money we want to spend on a backup to Logan, despite that being perhaps a, a popular request from the likes of us on the internet. So moving up the pitch into the midfield, there is a huge Graham Shinney-shaped hole. Um, and in fairness, the Ryan Jack and Kenny McLean-shaped holes haven't really been filled very well. Uh, have they, John? No, they haven't, but I'm, I'm unsure myself of how much criticism I want to give to, to McInnes in terms of being unable so far to fill those holes. So I think that Gleeson was probably signed as a Jack replacement and Forrester was probably signed as a McLean replacement. My understanding of their play styles suggests that that would be the case. And, you know, on one hand, you want to say neither of those have really worked out and you want to to, to chastise McInnes for that. But on the other hand, I'm not sure we could have predicted, especially in the case of Forrester, that that transfer wasn't going to work out. There was certainly something... Uh, behind the scenes that I doubt that we or, or Forrester himself had any control over um, with regards to that signing. One thing that does give me a bit of optimism for filling the Shinny and Jack and McLean gaps is that Lewis Ferguson has looked exceptional for most of this season, but I don't think we yet know what his best role is in that midfield. I think he could play any of those three parts, the Jack, the Shinny or the McLean. So in theory now we're only looking to sign two players to fill those three gaps because Ferguson can do any of them once we find the other two to play alongside him. Um, you know, you see Ferguson sometimes play a very advanced role and he looks great at that, but he can also roll up his sleeves a bit and get, you know, get stuck in in the midfield when that suits him. So there's optimism there um, if we can find the, the right two to play alongside Unquestionably one of the, the more positive stories to come out of Pataudry this season and it, it was almost by default I accept but we did see a turn to youth, a turn to younger players getting the chance and taking their opportunity and do you expect to see a bit more of that as well next season Martin? Obviously if you look in the midfield you've got guys like Dean Campbell who's in and around the squad for the last 18 months and, and you feel he, he's just about ready to make a big, big contribution. Uh, Dean Campbell is one that yeah is is really as exciting you know he's I mean he's still a he's still a very he's still a, he's still a boy really, um, but we're looking to see more more of them coming into the team. I mean you know I don't see anybody you know we spoke about obviously Logan earlier and I don't see a right back and a knocking on the door from the youth the youth squad or anything like that. Uh, but no Dean Campbell's the one where I think all of us are really looking forward to next season seeing a lot more of him. Um, whether he's going to be one of those one of those guys who fits in. As a start in the midfield uh, with with Ferguson, I would have my doubts, um, but um, it'll be, certainly be exciting to see some more of him. Seems at times a bit futile to throw names at uh, at you, uh, John, because Derek McInnes very often just announces someone and it's uh, it takes us blindsided. But uh, Dylan McGeoch has got to presumably be on the radar this season, though. Oh yeah, I would hope so. Um, I would be very surprised if we weren't. Keeping tabs on him I wonder how much of our chances Of signing him depend on Sunderland's Promotion campaign um, If he's not getting a look in in League 1 Is he going to get a look in in the Championship So perhaps we should be rooting for a Sunderland And Celtic double in the next couple of days To see whether McGee could head up the road 
They're up top. Uh, well, out wide first of all before before we head to the strikers. Um, Mackay Stephen almost not been confirmed yet, but again, I think we've known for twelve months that he's probably away. It's got to be the last chance coming up for Scott Wright. He, he scored a very neat goal on Saturday, but obviously he's been part of a Dundee team that have been setting records for all the wrong reasons. Couple of showreel moments, couple of nice free kick finishes, but uh, it's, it's certainly not been a lone move that's gone as he would have wished, Martin. No, it's not. I mean, um, in hindsight, um, I kind of you feel kind of, you feel terrible for him. You know, I'm going there. I mean, I don't think. You know, no, I, certainly, I certainly didn't think Dundee were as bad as, as they turned out to be when the season began. Um, and he's, he's gone there. He's obviously tried to get himself some minutes and get some games. And like you say, there's been been a couple of goals. There's been some assists. The little bits I've seen of Dundee, you know, there's been some decent play here and there from him. Um, but it's, you know, it probably, in hindsight, it probably wasn't the right move for him. But, you know, you can only improve by getting minutes and proper, and, oh, proper competitive minutes. It would have done him no good if he just sat sat here maybe sitting on the bench and coming on for you know 10 15 minutes maybe 5 minutes here and there wouldn't have, wouldn't have helped him at all but yeah this is this season again is his last, it'll, it will be his probably his last chance uh you know there's clearly clearly ability there we've seen it before you know he's he's scored some goals for us uh, he's been impressive in some games in other games he's he's been you no know, he's been almost anonymous and he's not got a stamp in the game uh, the hope is that he manages to he goes the right way and no, and rather than just sort of drifting, drifting out the team, this next season becomes the one where he disappears on loan at the after six months. We'd really hate to see that because, you no, know, when we've watched him, um, there's been there's been some there's there's clearly talent there. Uh, it's it's about and you're I know you say this a lot, Richard. It's about that that young player. It's about pushing on to the next level. And this is this is it now for I think for Scott Wright. If he's going to be, I know a top a top of the table, top end of the table. Uh, Scottish Scottish footballer, then this is his season. He needs to do it now. I was at the the Stenhouse Muir replay earlier this year, and Scott Wright I thought looked really good, albeit with the caveat that he was playing against Stenhouse Muir. And then it was I think the following day that the loan to Dundee was announced. So I kept a wee bit more of an eye on Dundee than I normally would because I'm not a masochist. Um, and I think I think he scored on his debut for Dundee, didn't he? And then and then uh, very shortly after his debut, there was a Friday night game um, against Hibs where. Admittedly, they lost, I think, 4-2 in the end, but Scott Wright had some really nice touches, looked looked totally comfortable starting in the league, which he's done plenty of times for us, but I could see a top-flight player there. It's just such a thankless task going to a team like Dundee. Their, their, their squad is such a, a mess. The management situation was a mess. I'm certainly not going to write Scott Wright off because he, he didn't single-handedly save Dundee. Um, but I would agree that it was, with hindsight, I don't think that's the lone move he would have liked to have taken. Even just a couple of places up the league table would have would have meant a lot more confidence in his play, a lot more confidence in the players around him. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him at the start of next season because there's something very likeable about the way he plays. Um, just need to see it perhaps a bit more consistently. Well, there's a guaranteed Evening Express headline for the summer. Don't write off Scott Wright. Um, it does feel <laughs> that we've been having the same conversation about uh, Scott going into the pre-season of the last couple of years. Um, I think with his contract due up in 2021, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely make or break time in, it, in the coming season. Um, up front, it's is it not 
Has it gone beyond make or break time for Stevie May? Again, he's also contracted to 2021. He'll be on a significantly higher wage than Scott Wright, clearly. But um, we come out of a season where Stevie May has played over 20 full, the equivalent of over 20 full uh, SPFL games, and he has scored no goals from open play, Martin. No, I, I like Stevie May. That's the thing is, but it's just not there for him. I mean that. You know, we we can't let this. I can't think we can't let this podcast pass without talking about that that shot from yesterday. They don't do those own goals and gaffs videos anymore. Um, but you know, that was the kind of one where he he almost got an assist for Hibbs. It was that, but it was that bad. He's he's came into games. He started. You know, he does he does really well. He has a, a decent touch here and there. But like you say, he's played so much, so much times. Uh, no, no, no goals. It's just you know, I don't think that. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he's here um, in January with us. Put that way. I mean, I think that. I think that if he if he lasts the first six months of the season, um, I would be I would be mildly shocked. But I think in definitely in. In January, he'll be be farmed out on loan somewhere. Um, I just I just can't see it happening for for, for him at Aberdeen. Um, he's the kind of player that he's got he's got Dundee United written all over him. I think. When I think of Stevie May this season, there's there's two things that stand out really, and there there are two assists. It was uh, for Conor McLean and the Ibrox in the the cup quarter final, and then he did he did really well yesterday to dig the ball out of his feet to to get it to to Wilson for the the winning goal, but. But that's it for the whole season. You know, as you've just said, over twenty full games worth of, of play, no goals. Those couple of assists spring to mind. But I think he's only had a couple more assists. I think it's only is it four he's had all season in the league. So, you know, we can't afford to carry someone like that in an attacking position. Those are two nice assists, but you can get play like that from your midfielder or your fullback. You know. Get more more actual attacking contribution there. I, I do want to like Stevie May, but for the for the investment that we're probably making in him, on top of the transfer fee, start to worry about whether we want to see him around for any longer. Yeah, I expect. Given that he's probably on about four thousand a week, I think it's probably fair to speculate the entire transfer will cost us one point two million pounds. Pretty sobering, um, which is probably why we're in the market for guys like Curtis Main, uh, Martin. Do you think this is this to me and a couple of the other names that have been bandied about? But it does strike me as a slightly bankrupt thinking, the likes of Curtis Main. I looked yesterday. I think it was he's got like I think it's thirty games he's played this season. He's got I think it's maybe only like three or four goals. Would we get anything from him that we don't already get from Stevie May? No, really. I mean, no. I mean, we, we, are you bringing him in because he he managed to bully us in a semi final a year a, a year ago? Um, I don't see the I don't see the kind of anything you would get from him. Uh, he's not a guy who, no. Apart from that one game um, against us in the semi final, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I've ever seen him and said, "Oh, he looks quite impressive." I'd fancy him in the side. I just think it's uh, I don't know. Just it's it's not for me. He's like he's enough. He kind of again. He's a he's a guy who. No, I don't even see. Wouldn't even say he impresses in that Motherwell side because he doesn't. Um, I just, I don't know where this came from. Again, the good thing that the good thing with this is that all these names that have been sort of floated um, are probably all going to be wrong because we know fine 
that the club hate gossip leaking and things like that. So on signings, they want the first of us to know is when they release that picture of the guy sitting at the sitting at the table pretending to sign the contract. Um, so thankfully. Fingers crossed, no legs crossed, everything crossed. That means that uh, Curtis Main will be nowhere near Pitotri. My read on Curtis Main would be we don't get anything from him that we don't get from me except maybe a wee bit more physicality, maybe a wee bit less technical ability, maybe a wee bit more strength and and physique. But I'm not sure that's what we're lacking up front at the moment, especially since Cosgrove does that so well. So while I agree and hope that Curtis Main is not signing for Aberdeen, um, I hope he isn't because I don't see anything there that's going to improve us in the short or medium term. And yes, we will try and get Martin's cat back on next season, hopefully at the expense of Martin. <laughs> um, so that's all the areas of the pitch. Um, what about the manager himself? Is uh, is he still the right man, uh, right man for the job, John? I think this has been a really interesting season for McInnes. I think you could put forward an argument that this has been one of his better seasons as a as a manager, as a day-to-day manager, despite the fact that that hasn't resulted in the league placing that we would have hoped for. Um, I think we've seen some new abilities from McInnes in terms of fitting youth into the squad in the shape of McLennan and to an extent Campbell we've seen him actually take a player and really noticeably improve him in Sam Cosgrove Um, I don't think anyone could have predicted even Mr and Mrs Cosgrove could have predicted the player that he was going to turn into and I think that I think that McInnes deserves a bit of credit for that and McInnes has spoken quite well at times about how he's encouraged Cosgrove to become the the uh, Ballon d'Or winner that he is today. Um, I think that McInnes can sometimes surprise himself. I think that Ferguson was a surprise. Cosgrove's turned into a bit of a surprise. Maybe even McLennan's been a bit of a surprise to him. Um, but I think that... <laughs> He's adapted to things quite well this season. I'm not his biggest fan, but I, I've seen things from McInnes this season that I don't think I would have expected from him a season or two before. Um, is he still the right man? Well, he needs to do it again because he's losing so many players again. Um, you know, It's a rebuild, but he's shown to me some semblance of ability that he can... He can cope with a rebuild and he can he can develop and find talent. Those are things I wasn't so confident in him a couple of seasons ago. Not sure if you guys think that's fair. I do think that though McInnes probably at the moment is still is the right guy for the job. Um but no I, I know you know, we know fine though, we can read we can read online and we talk to people and you, know, you can hear stuff at games as well when we're chatting to people. Um I know the patience in some sections is wearing a little bit thin. Uh, which is why I think that this summer it's probably going to be his biggest challenge as Aberdeen manager, uh, because we know we've got such we've got some some good players that are going to be be leaving, uh, and that is the thing where you know he's, he's again he's got to try and replace his captain, uh, where you know, you know Shinney was Shinney was integral to the team. He's got to try and find somebody now who can step in and fulfil that role, uh, which I think is something that will be a challenge for him. But you know it'll be it'll, it'll certainly be. It'll certainly be interesting to see what he does because um, I think that you know, it's a bit. It is a big summer for us, a big summer rebuilding, uh, and he's going to have to. You no, know, he's going to have to get the right bodies in um, and get them going going early because you know, as, as we'll see a vastly different Aberdeen team next season. I think I agree with you that 
this summer's going to be his biggest challenge. But I would also say that I think every single summer since McInnes took the Aberdeen job has been an increasing challenge. Um, last summer was a challenge in replacing Kenny McLean uh, and dealing with what we could ultimately confidently predict was going to be a, a better Rangers team than what we saw under Warburton or Kaitinia or Murty. Um, and then the season before that was the season where we now have to deal with Rangers again. We proved that wasn't particularly difficult, but that was still another level of challenge on top of what he'd had to deal with previously. So I think that the job is getting harder for him, and this summer is going to be his hardest one yet, but that's been the pattern since he took over. Um, so does that mean I'm extremely confident that he'll meet these challenges this summer? I wouldn't say I'm extremely confident, but I think he's shown over the last four or five years that he's he's aware of what the task is and he knows the tools that are needed to 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 get through it there's misses along the way but there's been hits as well well the other side of the argument i guess martin is he's entering the last year of his contract do you think he still has that enthusiasm to go through this again to 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 be in a situation where the rest of the teams of Scotland may be catching up to us and, and we're maybe going to fall further behind the sides in first and second this year? Um, I, I think he does, actually, to be honest. Um, I mean, he, make the, no, he makes all the right noises and the club make all the right noises about him wanting to see through the whole the whole thing about, obviously, the training pitch and the new stadium and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the new stadium's, you know, you know if it does happen, the new stadium's you know, four or five years away anyway. But um, but he makes all the right noises, and you no, know, I think he sees himself. I think he does see his see himself in his own, certainly his medium term future. I think at Aberdeen as well. It wouldn't surprise me if within the next few days we hear some news on that. You no, know, I think that you no, know, we we we've had this happen with players. I I would hate to kind of be in this position where we're finding ourselves when he's got like seven months, eight months left in his contract. This whole thing about will he, won't he stay? Because that doesn't help anybody. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I think he still still has the hunger, definitely, because you know, we, there's a gap to be closed to Celtic. Um, you know, Celtic will struggle to find a manager as good as Brendan Rodgers next season. I mean, it cert- probably surely won't be Neil Lennon. So they are, you know, the, the chance there is the chance to close that gap is there. Rangers, you no, know, Rangers, I don't think will be are are. are out with our bounds of us getting close to. I mean, obviously they have way more money to spend. You know, they're chucking money away on you know, idiots and you know that management team that has taken a king's ransom from them. But you know, that's a that's a challenge. I mean, you know, McInnes sees himself as I'm sure he sees himself as a winner, and so he wants to win trophies. And if we're being, if I think if we're being honest, his best chance of winning trophies as a manager is with Aberdeen. Um, I don't see him getting you know a Premiership job. Uh, and uh, the kind of top level of championships and things like that. No, other than no, I mean, there's all this talk about no. Maybe one day he can go to West Brom. Uh, is he going to win any trophies there? I mean, he's, he when he talks, he talks about wanting to win things. Uh, and if I, I personally feel that his best chance of winning anything is if he stays at Aberdeen. So I think he'll. I think he's got the hunger still. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's for the future. Let's just take another quick loop back to the season that's just passed. Um, it's been it's been a long season. I think we've all felt it. I think there's been some bruising moments. Um, I think we're all probably still recovering from that Scottish Cup semi-final, to be perfectly honest. Um, but there's definitely been some 
some high points along the way, some points, some moments that will stay with us for for years and years, I'm sure. To that end, um, moment of the season, John. Uh, I'm going to go for the the one nil league win at Ibrox, where Scott McKenna put in what I would say is the best performance I've seen from an Aberdeen player, at least under the McKenna's regime. Um, if not going back even further than that, uh, not only does he score the winning goal, he was just absolutely exceptional in defence for the entire ninety minutes. Absolutely bossed the game. Um, there were bigger games this season than that, but that one performance really stands out to me as something spectacular. That's when I really truly began to to see McKenna as the player that that he could become. He was just a ten out of ten performance of the season and I loved every second of it. That's probably my favourite moment of the season. Martin, what about yourself? It's a it's a very lazy choice, uh, but I think it has to be the Lewis Ferguson goal against Burnley. The the, the 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 highlight of the season is probably is the emergence of Lewis Ferguson. Anyway, um, you know, just you know, nobody saw him. Nobody saw him coming here and playing that amount of games. To go down there against you know, an, an English Premier League team with their untold wealth and riches, um, unfancied little old Aberdeen and things like that, and then for him to come to come up with an overhead kick like that, it was just uh, just crazy. Such a highlight. I mean, I know we've spoken before about you go to these away trips and then you no, know, but it's about getting the result. And yeah, we didn't get the result, uh, which you know, is it was crushing. But you know that goal was was just was the was the was the highlight highlight of the early point of the season. Uh, and I think for me it was really great. Um, one other thing I would mention, want to mention, is just is like a kind of sleeper moment for the season as well. Is that something for me anyway that I thought um, was uh, that the goal that the goal against Livingston, um, where we end up with you know, half, we end up with a heap of heap of fans on the pitch as well, where James James Wilson went on that mental long crazy lung bursting run down their wing. Um, that. It's like a weird kind of moment of the season for me because that was almost like a bullseye kind of thing where look what you could have won. Um, I honestly thought that like this is going to be James Wilson like emerging as a footballer here. We, we said it on the podcast, this could be it, this could be the turnaround, Richard. It's going to happen. It didn't, but you know that was one of those moments where it, where we were sitting watching it and it's just like, this is it. He's finally going to show us what he can do. You know, Manchester United, all this kind of stuff. And yeah, that it didn't happen. But yeah, as a kind of sleeper, you know, low-level moment of the season, that's also another one. So I'm going to ask you now, because we know all about pacing on this show and we're going to end on this note. Uh, but we're going to ask you about sort of letdown, disappointment of the season. So is uh, is James Wilson in that category? or? I think he has to be. Uh, no, I mean... I know that I know that we've had we've had loans from Manchester United before, and though they've not they've not amounted to anything. But you no, know, this is a guy who was was the, has played games in you no know, for Manchester United in the English Premiership before they were before they were the complete basket case that they are now as well. You know they were only they were only edging towards being the basket case, um, and so I suppose he has to be the letdown of the season. They came here with a big, you know, a big big you know reputation. You know that this is the guy who's you no. Know, he struggled to find his way. He's had had a couple injuries, but you know, but he's going to get there. There's there is there is this talent, uh, and it just hasn't happened. And you know, it, he I think he has to be. I don't know what the numbers are. There's all these rumours about well, Aberdeen are paying this and Aberdeen are paying that, and we'll never know uh, what Aber- what we are if we even if we are contributing or if we are paying anything from for what for what he's given, um, you know, the team 
know, it's really not been not been good enough with the reputation he's came up with. So yeah, I think he has to be the letdown the season. John, one last chance to let your caustic bile out for the season. <laughs> um, you know, the easy answer here would be to say either the cup defeats to Celtic. They were both heartbreaking, but in that kind of way where you don't want to say you saw it coming, but it certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't a huge surprise in, in either in either way. I would say that the 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 defensive partnership that we saw from McKenna and Devlin started so brightly, and it's ended. Not brightly at all. Um, Devlin looks a shadow of the player he was before he got called up to the Scotland squad. That's disappointed me hugely. Um, the, the season's just kind of ended a bit flatly. If I can be a bit uh, personal about it, then my biggest disappointment has been two very drunken trips to Tynecastle and no points as a result. Um, there's nothing I like more in football than leaving Tynecastle with... Uh, three points in the hipper and a smile on my face and we haven't done it this season and I find that very, very aggravating. So that's going to be my vote, which is perhaps not a bigger picture vote, but uh, can we please win at Tyne Castle next season? That would make me very happy indeed. It would make a lot of us very happy. I mean, I think for every Aberdeen fan there's a certain disquiet about... Uh, Wanting Celtic to win on Saturday, but I'm, I just frame it differently. I'm desperate for Hearts to get hammered. So, yes. um, I'm quite happy to just ignore who they're playing. So let, let's actually end on a slightly more, it's not entirely positive because he is leaving, but Graham Shinney's time at the Dons actually, uh, sort of bookmarks the time that we've had as a podcast because we started in the summer of 2015 as well, Martin, if you can recall. That doesn't mean that we're finishing, by the way. You're not getting rid of us that easily. What I'm going to say is that there's been a tendency for Shinny maybe to be overhyped by the Aberdeen support, but sort of denigrated by everybody outside of the Aberdeen support as as not being you know up to the standard required. You know, having a go at him when he's called to the Scotland squads. The fact is, he's going to a well-renowned top-end Championship club. There's a Proper footballer there, and he's he's been a big part of these uh, last four years, hasn't he? I'm I'm never delighted to see you know anybody any talented players leave Aberdeen, but um, you know he's going to he's like you say he's going to a proper football club, and you know and he is he is a good player. Um, we're you no know, he will be a huge miss for us. Um, I think he gets a I think perhaps some of the you mentioned some of the kind of he gets overhyped by some of the fans. Well, I think you no know, the. Any kind of player that is kind of one of those kind of chest beating, hot thumping the badge kind of players will get that. I know you mentioned yesterday, you know, the photographers are going to have to work a lot harder next season because Graham Shinney won't be there with the kind of those like semi iconic poses after goals and victories and no big moments. And that's that's true. So I think that's that is something that probably he gets overhyped for, but he gets he probably gets criticism from the sections of Aberdeen support that think he doesn't do enough. That's probably something he, that's something they find a criticism of as well. Let's not forget you know, we, you know there was a huge debate about the, he should be Aberdeen's left back uh, and he's and he's slot and he's slotted into midfield and he's been and he's been he's been excellent for us in midfield um I'm I'm devastated he's leaving to be totally honest um you know because he's a good player partly because we're gonna have to try and find somebody to replace him as as, as annoyed as I was when Ryan Jack left because I quite liked Ryan Jack as a footballer I am about a hundred times more devastated that Graham Shinney is going um, this guy is going to be a huge a huge miss in the side um, and McInnes is McInnes is going to have to work really work really hard to get somebody to replace him um, you know 
as as close to being you know as close to being as you no know, I, I you know we don't have club legends of the modern era but you no know, a guy who has given everything you no know, he can for Aberdeen it's just you no know, a trophy would have been nice and I think he would leave he would leave with a lot more goodwill but um, you know can't say enough I can't say enough good things about him to be honest um, it's, it's a shame he's going but I'm sure that. Um, I'm sure that he will impress in the Championship next season, or perhaps even the English Premiership. Of course, he's still, they've still got that chance, don't they? They do indeed. They do indeed. Um, and um, yeah, that wasn't positive at all. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that is the last regular podcast for season 2018-19, um, a season where the Dons promised quite a great deal: Cup final, semi-final, taking Burnley extra time. Didn't quite deliver. Much like this podcast. My thanks to John Sinclair for joining us tonight. John, a very solid debut. I think you've been upgraded from Joe Nuttall. Oh, that's fantastic news. I'll get right <laughs> on to my agent. Thank you. <laughs> and to uh, my partner in crime throughout the season, Martin Clunas. Martin, thank you. Always a pleasure, Richard. Thank you very much. We'll drag our sorry asses back onto this at some point in the near future. Uh, ideally, kicking off for the European Games in July. Goodbye from us for the season. Enjoy your summers. Try not to think about Aberdeen FC every day because it's really not healthy for you. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon.